Uh, turning your Bibles to Joshua 1, which is what Ron felt in worship. Um, I had this preach prepared uh, kind of quite early on in the week. God just, we actually were sitting in staff meeting, and then we're just talking through a few things, and then all of a sudden just dropped, and even the point started to drop into my heart. So it's just, God is definitely speaking. He's, he's doing something. So for me, this is, this is uh, part three of Seize the Day, Carpe Diem message. We've been talking about how Jesus sees the day. He was never idle. He, he used every moment for the glory of God. And, uh, and I believe that God uses people like you and me, ordinary people, to change the world. Uh, to tell you a story, I remember when I was in Matric, which is pretty much Geordie's age. Which Can we give him a little cheer? He played drums this morning. It was awesome to have him. Starla's brother, for those of you who don't know, Starla's my wife. My name's Dan. I lead the church. I have to start in, in, telling people that because we are growing. Um, just in case you think I'm one of the guys. I, we lead together as a team, but I'm the lead pastor. Okay, if you want to call it whatever your terminology is. And um, I remember uh, kind of going, the whole public speaking thing was never kind of on my radar. Even when I was leading worship, I'm like, cool, I can sing in front of people. Do not get me to speak in front of people. Like, even when there was a moment, like, between a song to pray, I'd be like, this is just not, not going to happen. I'd rather sing the prayer. So I was comfortable with that. And God started to stretch me and say, there's actually more that I have for you. God had this in mind and more. And he's saying, well, I'm going to use you to lead people, which is going to confound people. Even you went to school, they're like, wow, Dan's leading a church. And it's, so I think God wants to use wherever you are at. And he's just looking for someone that says, listen, I'll put my hand up. And I may not have all the skills at this stage, but I know that God qualifies the cold. And if he's called you in your heart, he's going to start to do stuff in your heart. He's going to start stretching you. And if you want more of God, you have to be able to get a little bit uncomfortable. Um, uh, I've done a little bit of gym. I was quite into the CrossFit thing, went on holiday, ate way too much. Um, now I'm slowly getting back into it. But all I know is that when you're first two or three days back, you're sore. I was speaking to Joe. He started kickboxing two, three days after he started. He was sore. And it's, it's when you stretch beyond your capacity that you start to get so on. I feel like that is, in a sense, the season we're in. And we have to look past that to say, cool, I, you, you know, like, uh, the, you almost have like a goal of when you're working out, am I right, Craig, of what you want to look like? Um, uh, you, you kind of, you, you're aiming towards that goal. And it's almost a sense of like, well, as a church, we're going to be stretched, but we're seeing something much bigger and greater. And for me, these are what I'm going to be teaching on today out of Joshua is that the principles of taking the land or taking the possession that God has for you and for us as a church. And it's just, and God is always on the move. He's never, he's never idle. Like I've said, he's never stagnant. He never stops. He ne- God is not a settler. Whereas a church are pioneers. I want that to become part of our, uh, our, our theology because I believe it's a biblical theology. Jesus was a pioneer. He pioneered the gospel. Obviously, who he was the gospel. Paul was a pioneer. We are a pioneer people. Some of us are from South Africa. There's the thing, remember the, we, we learned about this in history at school, the Fuhr Trekkers. And those are, the, those are the guys that kind of moved up from Cape Town and went across the whole of uh, South Africa. And I feel like there's something inside uh, our human, uh, human nature is to actually pioneer and to, to, to take new ground. 
And we always need to be looking for the new ground. We need to be looking for someone else who we can lead to Jesus. We need to be looking for another way to give more generously. We need to be looking for ways to, to bring in the lost. There's chatting to a guy, I don't want to call him up, but he's, he's been inviting a lot of people to church and he's hanging out with a lot of broken people. I'm like, yes. That is who Jesus wants. Jesus wants broken people because he's the one who comes and he makes things whole again. He takes us from a land that we're enslaved in, which is the Israelite people, but he takes us and he wants to take us into a land flowing with milk and honey. There's going to be battles, there's going to be fights, but God is going to be with us. And I feel that that is what I'm kind of bursting with this morning. So can we read out of Joshua 1? I'm reading out of the ESV. It's going to be up on the back. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' servant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan. Say, go over this Jordan. With a bit more. Go over this Jordan. You and all this people into the land that I'm giving them. To the people of Israel, every place, say every place, place. that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I've promised to Moses. I'm going to pause there for a second. I went this past week, and there's a a place uh, in Media City that is uh, run down. It's a massive, massive auditorium. And I, I, I was like, God, if you want, if no one's asking for this place that is shut down, I'm going to ask you for it for your gospel. Because Jesus... He discipled the 12, but he attracted the 5, 10, 15,000 when he met. And we need to be not chasing after numbers, but we're chasing after souls. We're chasing after those who don't know Jesus. We cannot be a church that becomes navel-gazing and we become all about us and all about our healing where we're not thinking about the world out there that desperately needs Jesus. There is a hope inside all of us. There's a hope inside you and me. I'm going to stop there before I start preaching too much. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river Euphrates, etc. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. These are promises to Joshua and to the people of Israel, but we can take it upon ourselves as the new Israel. Um, Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only, um, only be according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success. Who wants to be successful? Me. There's principles in the Word of God. I was chatting to uh, Andre at the back, and just especially around like even relationships, finances. If you want to be successful, go read the Bible. Go read Proverbs. It gives you principles on how to live this thing out and see God bring success into your life. Um, it says, only be, uh, verse 7, do not turn from it to the right to the left that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written within it. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Powerful, powerful scripture. And I want to just break that apart and look at who Joshua was and the land that he was taking the Israelite people into. 
And the land for you could be anything. It could be a new job opportunity. But I, I'm, I'm talking the kingdom of God is about advancing forward. And there's more that God has for us. So if you have an empty seat next to you, there's not many, although we have a few seats there. That is for someone who doesn't know Jesus. We're here to be lights in the city. The call on our church is city lights, lights in the city. The name is the vision, is the mission statement, is everything. So I love what it says here. It says, after the death of Moses. And the amazing thing about God, God doesn't kind of linger on the past with Moses. There was like this immediacy. Is that such a word? It didn't underline on words, so that's cool. I presume it is a word. There's an immediacy to the call of Joshua. God's saying, cool, Moses did what he could. He took you to this place, but now we're going into something new. And I love what Nushi says, is that it's time to sing a new song. It's time to rebuild. It's time, when Nehemiah was, he had this vision from God to go rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He, he cried about Jerusalem. He got a vision from God and he went and did it. And we are part of something much greater than ourselves. This city light is bigger than any of us because it's part of the kingdom of God. We are not the answer. We are, I met with an incredible pastor this week, young guy, single guy, is leading a church in Dera. I'm going to get him to come and preach here. Amazing guy. But we want to see unity. We want to see the churches work together for the good of the city. That's, that is what is coming in our generation. Not competition, not worrying about is the church bigger down the road or whatever. It's about we're all together to change the city. There was no delaying in the, in, in, the, in the call of Joshua. Moses died, Joshua was called up. And for me, sometimes when we overthink things, we don't do. So we were at a water park this week. It was a, we had a staff day. We had, it's good to have a staff day. Um, so on Sunday, we just got together as a staff, and Rom took, uh, took a day off and joined us and, uh, and his kids. And we, we just we went to the water park in Abu Dhabi. And there's a bunch of rides that you just go for it. And Jordi and I were talk- sitting at the top of one of the rides, and we go, listen, if we overthink this, we're not going to do it. So we just like, we put our hands on the thing, and we went. Now, at, uh, in Yaz Island, they've got that loop. Anyone been on that? Do you want to raise your hand? That's brave. Because apparently someone gets stuck in there every day. And uh, when, once, now that I've heard that, I, ha- I have like a, 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 a I, I love The Simpsons growing up. It's probably not the greatest show to watch as a kid, but... Um, there was that one scene where Homer goes down the slide and he gets stuck. And then like the whole town gets stuck behind him. I have that nightmare inside of me. I'm like, okay, I haven't been gymming. If I go down this thing, I might get stuck in this tube. Someone's going to come behind me. I w- I'm going to suffocate. And I'm gonna... So immediately in my mind, I'm overthinking that. So I need to say I never went on the loop, but I went on pretty much all of the other ones. And we went on the other one twice. Good fun. But the point is, sometimes when God speaks and we overthink what he's saying, or we, 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 we try to analyze what he's saying instead of just obey, we don't end up doing. So if God's spoken to you about giving something to someone, financially, uh, whatever it is, don't overthink it. If, if, God asks, if God asks you to call someone, or you're sitting at a, in a grocery line, you feel to pay for the person behind you, God tells you to, to reach out to one of your coworkers, and maybe you get ostracized, but you're actually going to tell them about Jesus. Like, th- don't overthink it. We have to learn to listen to the whisper of the Spirit. Whatever He's saying, whatever He's doing, that's what we want to be doing. So there's an immediacy to the call that God says. Another thing it says here, it says, after death of Moses, the Lord's servant, love that, that he was a servant of God, it wasn't about him. The Lord spoke to Joshua. And if you look in Exodus 33, 11, it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. 
Then Moses would return to the camp, camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua learns intimacy from his leader. So he's like, I know that Moses is meeting with God in that tent. I, if I could just get a residue of a king. So, so Joshua had been practicing the presence of God, and it's a good thing for us to do. I think we need to have times of prayer and intercession and crying out to the king and praying, but we also need to have where we daily walk with him, where we invite him into washing our dishes, where we invite him into our, into our workplace, and you, we constant communion. I don't think we should ever have a moment where we're not speaking to the king. Constant communion. So when he speaks, we listen. From intimacy comes identity. That is a big thing, and I think something missing in, in our generation. We need to let the Word of God, which is His words over us, we need to let His Spirit, and we need to let the affirmation of the King mold who we are. And I love that Jesus says, go baptize in the name of the Father first. Identity, sonship, daughtership, Son, and Holy Spirit. We need a restoration of that. I'm going to be talking probably a little bit about the Father next week, because Jesus starts the prayer and says, our Father in heaven. And we need to understand that Jesus came to reveal not a God who's waiting in heaven to pour down wrath. He's a God that is approaching us to come meet us because he's a father and he loves us. Travis, on his Instagram, what is your Instagram name? Best dad ever or something. Optimum dad. And he always does hashtag best dad ever. Like, and I, I love that. I love watching him with his, with his two little boys and they like run into his arms. And I think it's such a picture of who the father is. The Father is loving. He's open-handed. Even when we mess up, He's like the, the, the Father with the, with the prodigal son. Even though He squandered His inheritance, He came back and He had arms open. Intimacy comes from God. Prayer. And I think from that place of intimacy always comes fruit. So I think if we get, that's why I love that we're going into the prayer series, because if we get intimacy with God right, we're going to have automatic fruit in our life. We're going to start walking with the Spirit, hearing the Spirit, and doing what He says. Another word that, come, that pops out to me in the first few sentences was that Joshua was Moses' Moses's assistant, which means he served someone else's vision before, he went in, before God allowed him to go and run into his own vision. And I think we need to learn how to, how to follow well. I've, I had years of, of following people and sometimes following people when I didn't necessarily want to do what they asked me to do, but I know that the, the Bible honors submission and, and I would do it. And, and, there's, and there's times where I haven't got it right and there's times where I've got it right, but I think we need to have in our hearts, we'll do whatever it takes to see the kingdom advance. We'll get behind someone else's vision so God can promote me to giving my, my own vision. Verse 2, it says, Therefore the time has come. Can we all say time has come? For you to lead these people, the Israelites, and I think we need to, there needs to be a yes in our hearts when God speaks. If we want to seize the day, carpe diem, be all we can for the glory of God, we have to be able to say yes to the king with a sense of immediacy, which I've already spoken about. It's amazing what it says here. It says, the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving him. And there's these three little things that I'm going to pick out. The Israelites were a community. That we are stronger together than we are individually. The days of even uh, of someone being like the, the prominent figure in a, in a church movement is over. I believe that it is the priesthood of all believers. My role at times on a Friday is to, is to gather you, to motivate you, to share the gospel. But you, that is so you can go out, take what you've learned and go out and change the world. 
God has put inside every single one of you. If you want to put your hand on your chest quickly and say, God has put inside of me the DNA to change the world. It's in you. It's he, he, when you got saved, there's this incredible stuff that started to happen. First of all, you adopted as a son. You were forgiven of your sins. You, you, were, you were positioned in Christ. But God starts to change your heart forever. And he starts to put inside of you his heart, which is for others. And I think one of the greatest things uh, to, to see that someone is saved, not, is not, it's not whether they're sinning less because there's a process of sanctification, but is, are they living their lives for others? That is, that is essentially what the gospel is about. And that for me is, is the number one sign of a renewed heart. Is that I'm, 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 I'm maybe messing up along the journey and, uh, and God is good and he, and he walks me through stuff. But my heart is in a position for others. It also says that there's a Jordan River. Which means, when the, and I said this in the first week, whenever there's the promise of God, there's going to be opposition. God's didn't tell Joshua in the first few chapters that you're going to have to defeat 31 kings, that you're going to have to walk around Jericho for seven days, you're going to have to blow trumpets, you're going to have to do all these things, you're going to have to fight. He didn't tell him, he just said, listen, be strong. And I think we have to realize that if we want to go from, from where I am right now to where God wants me to, there's going to be some opposition, but God will give you grace in that moment to walk through into the land that he has for you, and even for us as a community. And it says the land that he's giving them. And I love that it's not just about an individual, but it's there's an, what Ryan said, there's an allotted land. There's, as, as we as a church move forward, you're going to see in your lives you're going to move forward. And we've seen as we've planted a church, as, there's been, as we've moved forward and given bigger vision for different things, people have seen an abundance in their finances. They've seen God just come through. And it's why? Because there's, there's, there's a building of the kingdom that needs to take place. Rom has just ended his one job and starting a new job. There's a new, it feels like there's a new season. We're coming to the end of August. We can actually stand outside for more than five minutes without sweating. We, we are, we, spring is around the corner, and God is wanting to do incredible stuff through every single one of us. I'm going to say that over and over until you believe me. I, and then verse 3, it says, I promise you what I promised Moses. When God promises something, he means it. I've broken promises in my life. A lot of you probably would of yourself. But when God promises, it's, it's, it's set in stone and it's an oath. And he says this, wherever you set your foot, you, uh, so wherever you set foot, you'll be on the land that I've given you. And I love, someone said this, they said, you've got the divine promise plus human responsibility equals success. I'm going to say it again. The divine promise Plus, human responsibility equals success. So we cannot get into Christianity, well, I'm just going to sit back, worship on a Friday, and hopefully God takes care of it. He actually starts to use those who are walking. And that's what, what did you say something about walking, Bruce? And um, where we actually start to walk forward, God will use something that's moving as opposed to someone who's standing stagnant and still. So just involve yourself. We're going to be calling people to be involved in the church over the next couple of weeks, envisioning you for, for the greater thing that God has for us, but it's going to require every single one of us. Imagine ourselves here as a core team to reach thousands of people. And it's going to take setting up on a Friday. So, so for me, every drum beats that's played, every uh, carpet that's rolled out, every speaker that's put up, every, every coffee that's made. Have I said coffee twice? Oh, no, I haven't. I felt like I did. Um, it's all for the kingdom of God. 
And it all matters because you get someone who comes in here for the first time, and I know some of you, it is your first time here, but if you get a warm welcome from someone with a smiley face, you get a free coffee, you immediately feel that this is your home away from home. Take installers line again. This is your home away from home. I promise that wherever you move, wherever your foot is, that is the land that I've given you. Even look at salvation. Salvation is a free gift given from the Father to, to us. But the Bible says we have to do something. We have to accept it by faith, and we have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We can't say, cool, well, I'm a passport, I'm a passport, I'm Christian, or I grew up in a Christian home, I was confirmed at 10. I kind of believe this gospel thing, uh, but it's actually about a, a transformed life. I believe that Jesus died, was resurrected, and you confess with your mouth. That is how you are saved, and we follow after him after that. God has been faithful to, to, uh, to generations before. And that's what he's trying to speak to. He says, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. And I, I believe as I was prepping that there's, that there's promises that have been spoken over people's lives here that you feel is dormant. And there's, in some ways, it's, there's, there's a few reasons why that could be. And I've written down a few and you can add your own. It could be neglect. God may have spoken something, but you've neglected. You've put on this prophetic word, or God spoke to you out of the word one quiet time in the morning. You're like, wow, God's speaking to me. You've put it on the shelf. Secondly, it could be disobedience. God could have clearly spoken to you to do something, but you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to do it. That, the Bible calls that rebellion. Uh, distraction. We live in an age where we can easily be distracted. There could be a million things vying for our attention. I follow a guy called Craig Rochelle uh, on uh, Instagram, and he just, I, th- I don't know if you put it on Twitter or Instagram, but he just basically said, have one or two focuses. At all costs, be very focused. And I think we, we, we're coming into a time and a season as a church where uh, we can't have general practitioners all the time. We have to have people who are like, cool, you give me the youth, I'm going to make that youth pump. You give me the kids' ministry, it's going to be the best kids' ministry in the world. You give me the parking lot duty, I will park those cars better than anyone's ever parked a car. And I think we need to realize that whenever, whatever God puts in front of you, He's seeing the faithfulness of your heart because God wants to promote you to great places. Fred, God has an incredible future for you. The, the promises that have been spoken over your life are, are, are true today as they ever have been. No matter what you've walked through, no matter what you've done, God's promises are true to you. I feel like you need to believe that. You need to believe it deep in your heart because he's going to do incredible things through you. Um, distraction, laziness. The Bible doesn't have good things to say about laziness. Unbelief. You can actually not believe God anymore. You're like, well, it's been so long since we've been waiting for this promise. You know, I'm just going to wait. God is good. We need to, we need to never lack in faith. It could be complaining. Complaining was the thing that stopped the Israelite people moving into the more that God has for them. It could be complaining. They even longed for the food in Egypt. They're like, cool, God, we've been in this desert for a while and we're complaining, but I just want cucumbers and meat. Some people, hey, who loves cucumbers? I think, so aware of how I say it. I probably said it wrong. Cucumbers, cucumbers. Anyway. Um, they complained that they weren't getting the food, but meanwhile, God is miraculously providing them with manna. Then there was quail. Once they complained, that, oh, we want meat. So God goes, I love that scripture in Numbers. It says, so God gave them, he goes, listen, you want meat? It was almost like a bit of a sarcastic, I'm going to give you so much meat that you're going to vomit. That's basically what the Bible says, and that's exactly what happened. So be careful what you complain about or what you ask for. 
And, um, and I love the thing, we need to... We need to dust off the prophetic words over our lives, the promises over our lives. If you haven't had a prophetic word, we've got people in this church, deacons, leaders, community group leaders, who would love to pray with you because God speaks, and He speaks of a preferred future always. I was talking to Jordi this week about some churches who don't believe in the prophetic word of God, and I, I would say, where would I be today if there wasn't prophecy? If someone didn't call me out of a crowd, I remember I was... 19, 20 years old, there's this uh, lady, prophetic lady, she calls me out and she says, she says, I'm calling you out uh, the most unlikely one. I'm going to give you a double anointing and you're going to, like, I can't remember the whole thing. I remember there was like this whole song that I used to sing because she sang it over me. And that thing pulled me through times in my life where it looked so far and so distant, like I was never going to walk into what God had for me, but I had the promise in my heart. And we need to pick up those prophetic words. And it even says here in 1 Timothy 1.18, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, that by recalling them, you might fight the battle well. We are in a battle. Uh, there's sometimes wars that go on for many years. World War II, five years. I was just Googling. There's some wars that were up to 700 years. There's but no matter how long the time, Abraham waited on the promise of God and God fulfilled it. God is faithful. If God has promised you something, you need to dust that off again, fan it to flame, and bring it into your life again and say, God, I'm going to declare this as though it's real. I think, I was chatting to Marco this week, and I'm going to steal a little bit of what he said, if you don't mind. Um, but uh, there's something about our confession that is so powerful. If we're confessing negativity over our lives, sickness, disease, it's going to probably happen. But if, you, if you're confessing the power of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ over your life, things will change. People can give you testimony that we need to realize that this Word of God, and it even says later that we must let the Word of God dwell in our hearts. Meditate on it day and night because it makes you strong and it makes you bold and it makes you courageous to step into the more that God has for you. We need to be able to declare the Word. We need to sometimes preach to ourselves especially after a long summer. Am I right? Almost done. God marks in verse 4 a clear boundary, massive uh, boundary for them. And I want to just quickly mention a few things. What is our inheritance in Christ? It's imperishable. It's unspoiled. It's reserved for us. There's, there's just this incredible, when we step into Jesus Christ, when we give our lives to Him, when we, however you did, if you prayed a prayer of surrender, if you confess Jesus as Lord of your life, uh, the Bible's not super clear how that happens, but it says that we are regenerated and born again. I believe that we need to confess that and go speak to someone. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, I'm going to give an opportunity at the end to speak it up. But if, you, if you're too shy to do that, Fine, come speak to someone and say, actually, today I've made a decision to follow Jesus. I remember that happened with Gavin a couple of years ago. He came to me after just crying. He said, I've decided to follow Jesus. And then it gives quick instructions on how we do this. And I'm going to race through these very quickly. It says, be strong and be bold. I love in Ephesians 6.10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Can the, t the worship team come up? We're going to go straight into a worship song after this. Secondly, the Word of God. It says this, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do, all, to do according to all that is written in it. We need to be a people, and again, I've encouraged this so many times, but find... Um, 
find a reading program. Bible in One Year by HTB. You can get the app. It gives a little description of what you've just read. It describes it, and you read a few things. Then there's uh, version. Who uses version? Brilliant. I'm, I'm never on the day that it said it should be, especially when you get to Leviticus and Numbers. You're like, okay, I'm going to listen to that instead of try to read that, and I listen to it in my car. So that's, that's the way I get through the difficult books. There's just a little secret for you guys. Um, but we need, to, we need to let the Word of God into us and start to form us. It makes us strong. It makes us bold. The, the third thing is that it's, it's, it's about obedience. It's that I've spoke about in the beginning, but it's that immediate obedience. As God speaks, we do. Uh, Jesus, God even says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is high on God's radar. If you want to jump the hoops in God, if there's such a thing, just be obedient. Whatever He says, do. Don't think about it too much. And finally, can we all stand to our feet? It's the presence of God. The Israelite people never went anywhere without the presence of the Almighty King. And I think we need to, as a church, always make a moment for His presence to come and dwell amongst us. He is in us. He is with us. He walks alongside us. That is good theology. But there's times where God comes, I'm here. We need to restore an old word. It's called revival. I've cried out to God many, many times. God, would you revive my heart again? See, at times as Christians, we can become, get into the routine of Christianity. And I don't think we're meant to be known for our routines, but we're meant to be known for our passion. And we are in love with a king who can change the world. And he wants to use you and me and there's an amazing uh, story with Peter. And I've just been reading through, I think it's in Mark. And it speaks about when, when Peter is, uh, he kind of, he denies Jesus uh, three times. Jesus prophesies he's going to deny it. And that is before he is filled with the presence of God. He says, wait in Jerusalem. He gets filled with the presence. He stumbles out of the building as though drunk, the Bible says, because he's filled with, with God. And he goes and preaches in Jerusalem, the place that he was scared to profess Christ. He preaches, and there were 3,000 saved. And I believe that in a moment in God's presence can change everything in our lives. So I want to give a moment. If you want to raise your hands, if you want to get comfortable on your knees, say, Jesus, as a church, we need you. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We don't want it to be about us. The book of Acts was about the Holy Spirit moving through men and women. So God, we just pray for a fresh anointing this morning. The priests in the Old Testament used to have the the oil, the anointing oil rubbed into their skin. And I feel like God wants to do that in our hearts and lives this morning. That there's a new land, there's new possession, there's new territory, there's, there's good things ahead of us. There's a, there's, there's a God who's professing life over you, but you feel like you can't get out yourself out of a hole. It could be a financial hole, a sickness hole. But God wants to release His presence that can change everything. So I think God comes on hungry hearts. Before we're going to sing this song, just say, God, I need more of you. Just pray to Him.